Welcome to Craft Life, Episode 3. Fiber, fiber everywhere. In this episode, I'll share with you my adventures of two fiber-filled weekends, including a brand new KIP report, some fabulous garage sale finds, a local yarn shop review, and musings on the Dallas Fiberfest. We'll take a look at a fiber CSA. And of course, I will once again educate you on how to speak Southern. All this coming up in this episode of Craft Life, the podcast all about living the creative life. Hello, and thank you for joining me for this third episode of Craft Life. Thanks to all you returning listeners, and hello and welcome to any brand new listeners we may have coming in today. I'd like to thank all of you who got in touch with me this week. It was so nice hearing from you and and seeing the new conversations that are popping up on the blog. I'd also like to say a special hello to Jelly J, Nidopotamus, Candy, Sato, Susan, Sarah, Martine of the I Make podcast, and One to One, aka Carla, of the Knitting Podcast blog. And if you haven't heard of the Knitting Podcast blog, uh, go over there and check it out. If you are a podcast junkie, and especially a knitting podcast junkie, it is a huge directory of knitting podcasts, many that I had not heard of, many that I had heard of. So if you're looking for a new knitting podcast to try out, go over there and check out her blog. It's knittingpodcast.blogspot.com, and I will have a link for you on the show notes. And now, the KIP Report. Well, as I said in the show notes for episode two, I recorded episode two a little bit earlier in the week because we spent the weekend with my husband's family. And we tend to go down there on the weekends a good bit. And in this particular visit, we were going to see his brother coach football. He is an assistant coach with the Hill Country Colts, which is a semi-pro football team. And I don't know if you know anything about football in Texas. Football in South Carolina is a pretty big thing, especially college football, but football of any kind in Texas is almost like its own religion. And so when I went with the intention of bringing my knitting, my husband said he would not sit next to me in case he caught the wrath of other Texas football fans, because how dare I knit at a Texas football game when I should be paying attention. Well, thankfully, I took my knitting with me anyway, despite his best warnings, and very much enjoyed knitting in public at a semi-pro football game in the hill country of Texas, and it was not as scary as he thought it was going to be. Actually, as I looked around me and saw people on their iPhones, um, people, you know, having conversations, doing other things other than paying attention to the game, it suddenly became clear that knitting in public at a football game in Texas, not such a scary thing after all. 
Not only was knitting at the football game not a scary thing, it also turned out to be quite a productive thing. The game moved kind of slowly, and they actually had a lot of injuries in this game. I know they had one fella they carried off in the ambulance, and another guy, I think they maybe took him from the game in someone else's vehicle to the hospital to get an x-ray. It was, it was pretty brutal, but that made the pace of the game slow down a good bit. So I managed to cast on and finish a baby hat, which, as I said in episode one, I knit with my charity knitting group at church. So it was a very productive game, and knitting at a football game, I'd recommend it. So knitting in public at the football game was what I did Saturday night. However, Saturday morning I spent with my mother-in-law doing one of the things that we do most every time we visit, which is garage sailing. Now, this is something that she's turned me on to. I, I've been to a few garage sales when I was younger, but not until I met her did I truly understand and appreciate the benefits of a smart garage sailor. And wow, I hit the jackpot Saturday. We went to a few different garage sales and thrift stores, and I walked away with two knitting books for a quarter apiece and the mother load of knitting needle finds. Now I'll tell you about those in just a minute. But the two knitting books that I walked away with, the first one was Knitting Today's Classics by Kristen Nicholas, and it is actually produced from the studios of Classic Elite, and it was published in 1997 by Lark Books, and I'll have a link to this for you up on the show notes. Um, it's a 25 cent knitting book, and I just can't pass it up. As a new knitter, my knitting library is quite slim, and so I see a knitting book, it's hardback, it has 63, I believe, sweater patterns, and, and it just has to go in my library. Now, when I got it home and I flipped through it, yeah, it was published in 1997, and that's pretty clear by the patterns, it includes some color work that I think is a little bit over the top, but it does have a lot of different cable designs, and I really enjoy knitting cables, and so I believe I will use this book if for nothing else than kind of a mini cable stitch dictionary. So again, that's Knitting Today's Classics, and while I don't think I would pull a whole sweater out to knit, I definitely would say it would be a decent cable stitch dictionary for a new knitter. Now, the other book I picked up is Knit Tricks. It's by Rebecca Watt, and it was published in 2007 by C&T Publishing. This book seems to focus on shaping, and it says it includes 25 stylish projects from simple rectangles. And there are a few different projects to choose from. They have bags, they have fingerless mitts, there are a few wraps, a few scarves. Um, yeah, there are probably about one or two things in the book that I would knit from the pattern. And really, for a quarter, how can I complain? So, that's two brand new books to add to my library, Knitting Today's Classics and Knit Tricks. Now, after we left the garage sale where we found these two books, we headed to a thrift store. And I have actually bought one pair of knitting needles from a thrift store. If you look closely, you can find them sometimes. It was a size 4. And again, as a new knitter, I don't have a huge collection of knitting needles. I'm kind of buying them as I need them for whatever pattern I'm working on. So I'm, I'm building my collection of needles. However, at this thrift store, I hit the jackpot. Here's a quick rundown of what I found. Six sets of aluminum circular needles in varying lengths and varying sizes. 
two sets of bamboo circular needles, two sets of plastic circular needles, one set of plastic 8mm DPNs, and one set of aluminum 3.5mm DPNs, and a knitting gauge. All the needle sets were $2, the gauge was $1, and the double-pointed needles were less than a dollar a piece. And for me, that's a jackpot. Oh, and not only were they $2 a piece, but they were also all in their original packaging. So I know exactly what size they are. I know exactly what length they are. And oh, and I know what the original price was too. And let me say $2 a piece, that's a good deal. As we were making the drive from Arlington down into the hill country that Friday, I decided to get on my phone and look up and see if there were any local yarn shops in the area. Now up until that weekend, the only place I had purchased yarn were from the, the larger craft stores in the area. I had not actually been to a privately owned local yarn shop. So this was a bit of a new adventure for me. Fortunately, I did manage to find one that was not too far away from my mother-in-law's house, and she was so nice as to agree to accompany me. She is not a knitter, but she is a wonderful lady and a great friend, and we headed off to Nan's Needleworks in Horseshoe Bay. Now, when I originally made the trip to Nan's, it was not with the intention of doing a local yarn shop review. I was just exploring the area and, and wanted to see what they had. I was just kind of curious. But after my experience there, I couldn't not share with you. Nan's Needleworks is located in Horseshoe Bay, Texas. And if you don't know it's there, you might miss it as you drive past. It's in a building that houses many other different businesses, and they are actually on the second floor. So if you're driving that way, be on the lookout. When we walked in, we were following a group of knitters. We didn't realize it at the time, but they walked right into Nan's Needleworks right before us, and they were going to join the knitting group, which was scheduled to start at the time that we arrived. When we entered the yarn shop, we were greeted by Carrie, and Carrie was so nice and so helpful. She was there kind of leading the knitting group, but she made a point to continue to check on us, to show us around the shop, just to make sure that she could answer any questions that we had and, and help us find our way around. Now, the store was not very large, but I was so impressed at how well organized it was. It was a smaller space, but it didn't feel crowded. All of the yarns were arranged and organized so well. They were so easy to find, and it was, it was so neat, which can be a hard thing to pull off in a small space, and they did it so well. Now, if you happen to live near Horseshoe Bay, Texas, and you want to visit Nan's Needleworks, or you might want to take some classes there, they do teach classes. They teach advanced knitting and beginner knitting. They teach crochet, spinning and weaving, tapestry weaving, and they also teach needlepoint. Now, I walked in there with no idea of what I wanted to buy. I was just really curious, and, and I did want to walk away with something. And what I wound up landing on was Trabajos del Peru which is by the Plymouth Yarn Company. It's 100% extra fine merino wool, and it's an errand weight, and it's a slight thick and thin, so it kind of gives it that, that hand-spun look. I got it in colorway 003, which I, I like to call shades of grape because it's a lovely mix of, of purple shades. It's oh, absolutely gorgeous. Now, Carrie was nice enough to show me the ball winder. 
And if you're an advanced knitter, if you've been knitting for a long time, you might laugh at me about this. But I, I wanted to see a ball winder. I had not seen one before. I had not tried one before. And so she took me to the back and she showed me how to use the ball winder. And I wound up both skeins of my yarn. And I was so proud of myself. And it was so easy to use. And now a ball winder and a yarn swift is on my, my Easter list because Easter's the next holiday. So I came home and I told my husband that I hope the Easter Bunny brings me a ball winder and a yarn swift. Eh, we'll see. I'll keep you updated on that and see how that goes. Now, just for a bit of trivia, I looked up Trabajos del Peru, which by the way, I didn't take Spanish because I can't roll my R's. So I know that's probably a terrible pronunciation, but I did look up to see how that translates and it translates Peru jobs which seems appropriate because when I read the tag, it says that the yarn's hand-dyed by Peruvian artists. So there you go. I'll put a link to Nan's Needleworks on the show notes so you can go check them out for yourself. And now, up next, I'm fixing to tell you about the Dallas Fiber Fest. Did I just say fixing? Fixing. Preposition. Definition. On the verge or point of. Usage. Example. I am fixing to go to the grocery store. Can I pick up anything for you? Yes, fixing is one of those quirky southern words that I use quite often, probably a lot more often than I realize. It's one of those words that I would use while traveling when I was younger and people would look at me and say, you're what? You're fixing? F fixing? What is fit? What are you fixing? What's broken? And no, it's just, it's just one of those words that we've adopted and chosen to change the definition. If you're unsure of how to use the word fixing and, and more precise, you should leave off the G and pronounce it fixin. If you're, if you're a little unsure on how to use the word fixin, just swap it out with the word about. So instead of saying, I'm about to go knit a sweater, you can just say, I'm fixin' to go knit a sweater. Or better yet, stay tuned, cause I'm fixin' to tell you about the Dallas Fiber Fest. The Dallas Fiberfest took place last weekend at the Grapevine Convention Center in Grapevine, Texas. This was a weekend-long event that included classes on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and of course a vendor area also throughout the weekend. By the time I found out about the Fiberfest, it was a little too late for me to sign up for the classes that I would have liked to have taken because, well, they were all full. However, I was able to go accompanied by my wonderfully supportive husband, to the vendor show. We went on Saturday and we had such a nice time. Now, I had spent some time on the Dallas Fiberfest website before we went, just kind of reading about it, getting the feel for it, getting a little information. They said on the website that this was their largest year ever, which is why they moved to the Grapevine Convention Center. So I was expecting, I guess I was expecting a little bit larger vendor show than there actually was. However, with that said, this was a wonderful introduction to so many of the local yarn shops in my area. As you heard me say earlier in the podcast, I have not visited any of the local yarn shops here in Arlington. So this was, like I said, a great introduction. 
I made my first round around the vendor show just looking because I am one of those shoppers that I can't purchase the first go around. I have to look at everything first, decide what I like, and then when I go back, if I still like it, well, then I make a purchase. So we made our first rounds and it quickly became evident that I should have brought more cash, but I kind of anticipated that was probably going to happen. So after the first rounds, we went back a second time and I made my purchases. One of the things I bought was four ounces of hand-dyed fiber by the shop Two If By Hand. It was four ounces of a blue face luster and silk blend, and this was for me to get more practice on my drop spindle. And I'm pleased to say that I have spun up about three and a half ounces of this fiber, and I've got just about a half more ounce to go, and I will have it done, and I will be ready for more fiber. It's a really nice colorway called Skylight, and it's kind of shades of an aqua green and a purple and yellow, and it's just really pretty, and I'm, I'm puzzling as to what I'm going to make with it, but I will let you know when I decide. I also visited the booth of FiberLady.com. That's her website. That's also her name. And I picked up a bottle of wool soak. It's called Soak. Very simple. That's easy to remember. The scent is called A Scent for Celebration. And it actually does smell really nice. This wool soak, you dissolve five milliliters of it in water and you soak your wool and then that's it. You squeeze it out. There's no need to rinse. It smells so good. Oh, and I'm really looking forward to trying it on, on some, of my, some of my wool that I have stashed away that needs to be cleaned. After I visited FiberLady.com, we also visited the Knitting Fairy, or I should just say Knitting Fairy. And that is where I picked up a coffee mug because it's a travel coffee mug. And we use travel coffee mugs like crazy in my house. And I'm constantly having to wash them. And so I, I just needed a new one. It is so cute. It's pink. It has a little sheep on the front. And it says, knit happy. And, well, I do. The last place that I decided to make a purchase from was Shabby Sheep. Now, Shabby Sheep they had some very unique yarns, very multi-textured yarns. And I got one skein of what they call Alp Light in color 611. Um, the best way that I can think of to describe this yarn is a little bit of everything. It's mostly pink. It's got yarn. It's got knitting ribbon. It's got something that looks like tinsel. I'm not exactly sure what is all in this. Definitely not something that you would knit a sweater out of, but I don't know. I I've got some plans for it, and I'll let you know once I start knitting it up what it's going to turn into. Now, as I said earlier in the show, my husband Adam accompanied me to the Fiberfest, and I thought he was a really sweet guy to do so. Evidently, I was not the only one who thought that. After we got there, it became evident fairly quickly that he was one of very few guys, and he kept being stopped by people who wanted to tell him that he was such a good man. And it was so funny because everybody seemed to use the same phrase, you are such a good man. So pretty much by the end of the afternoon, he had decided that next year he wanted to visit the Fiberfest with me again, if for no other reason than the ego boost that came with it. So they said he was a good man. I would pretty much agree he's a good man. 
So next year, when the Dallas Fiber Fest rolls around, hopefully I'll be able to get in earlier and get signed up for some of those classes that they offered because they looked fantastic. And if you are going to be in Dallas next year, around April, maybe you'd like to stop by and check it out as well. I will have links to all of the vendors that I purchased from on the show notes so you can check them out for yourself. CSA stands for Community Supported Agriculture. A farm that works under a CSA model shares the financial burden with the community as well as the rewards of its harvest with the community. It is, it's a great model. This past fall, before I started my real full-time job, I had the great fortune of being able to be a workshare volunteer with a produce CSA in my area. And the way these farms work, uh, people from the community will purchase a share in the farm and it varies the price varies depending on how many seasons the the farm grows for or what it is that the farm is producing this particular farm grew produce and they had three growing seasons so they grew year-round people from the community purchase shares in the farm at the beginning of the season and that way the farm has the funds to put into the business to buy the fertilizer to buy the seeds to get the planting going And then whenever the harvest starts to come in, the farm then splits the harvest amongst the share owners. And it's a great way to get to know the people in your community, um, to get a one-on-one relationship with the suppliers of your food. I mean, it's very different than going to the grocery store and and buying from people that you don't know, you don't know where the food came from. Um, It's such a great model. As I was looking through all the information on the Dallas Fiber Fest, uh, I took a look at their teachers page where they introduced and kind of did a little biography on all of the teachers that they were going to have for the weekend and I discovered Jacob's Reward Farm. Jacob's Reward Farm is located in Parker, Texas and it is a fiber CSA. Isn't that awesome? Oh, you buy shares at the beginning of the season and then once they once they get the shearing done, 100% of the fiber from Jacob's Reward Farm then is split amongst the shareholders. And you can buy a whole share for $150 or you can buy a half share for 75. And if the animals happen to produce so much more wool this year, well then you just get so much more fiber in your share whenever shearing time comes. At Jacob's Reward Farm, they raise Jacob's sheep, they also raise Gulf Coast native sheep, and they raise alpacas. Now, unfortunately, April 15th, which has already passed, was the cutoff date to purchase shares for 2011, but they will have shares available for 2012 in the fall of this year. But even though the cutoff date for this particular farm has already passed, I wanted to bring it to your attention just in case you didn't know that these existed. I only became aware of CSAs in the past year. Um, So look in your area. You may be lucky enough to have a fiber CSA near you. And if they're anything like Jacob's Reward Farm, they're very open to having people come, see the animals, help out on the farm, just kind of get one-on-one with where your fiber's coming from. And if you're lucky enough to find a CSA that is like the produce CSA I worked with, you may be able to find one that will let you do a work share. I volunteered at the Produce CSA, and in exchange for my volunteer time, I was awarded a share. So 
it, it wasn't even a matter of having to purchase this year, just the volunteering of my time. And they shared some of their harvest with me. So CSAs, a great idea. If you can find one in your area, um, let me know. Leave me a comment on the blog and, and let me know the location because there may be someone else listening in your area that would be interested in finding out about it as well. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about how a CSA works, or more specifically how the Jacobs Reward Farm Fiber CSA works, you can check out their website and I will have a link to that on the show notes. And before we go, I would love to share with you what I'm knitting. Well, if you've listened to the first two podcasts, you probably heard and maybe remember that I was working on a pair of fingerless mitts. They were pink. They, um, they're actually a pink ribbon, my own design, pink ribbon style, fingerless mitts uh, made from an alpaca wool blend. And I told you last episode that I was having second mitt syndrome. Well, I'm still fighting the second mitt syndrome. I'm still working the second mitt. I'm just working it a little bit at a time. A few rows here, a few rows there. It's not done yet, but I, I feel confident that it will be finished soon. And I'm hoping by the next podcast, I'll be able to tell you that I finished them completely and I'm on to something new. With that said, I, I am actually on to something new. The yarn that I purchased from Nan's Needleworks, the that Trabajos del Peru and those gorgeous, gorgeous purple shades, I have cast on the Liesel Scarf by Mary Joy G. Mary Joy, I am not going to attempt to pronounce your last name, but it's Mary Joy G-U-M-A-Y-A-G-A-Y, which looks like it should be easy to pronounce, but I'm not trusting myself with it. You can find this Liesel scarf on Ravelry, and I believe I've heard it mentioned in a few podcasts before, um, so I feel confident that it's been knitted by a number of people, but it is gorgeous, and it's my first attempt at real lace work. It's not super complicated. It is a 10-row pattern repeat, and you just repeat it over and over and over until the scarf is as long as you want it to be. Um, it's knitting up quite beautifully, and this is also going to be my first you know, real blocking experience too, as soon as I get it finished. I'm a little over, oh, probably about two thirds finished with it now. And, and that also, I will hope to tell you I have completed on the next episode. So stay tuned. Other than the knitting, like I said a little bit earlier, I have been spinning that Skylight Roving by Two If By Hand. Um, I have purchased a PVC Nitty Naughty from Marty at Lottie Da Designs. And if you remember, I mentioned her in the first podcast. That's where I actually got my drop spindle and my first two little ounces of fiber to practice with. And I had so much fun and she such a good seller on Etsy and very fast shipper um, that I have ordered that PVC Nitty Naughty because you know that first batch of fiber that I spun was oh about Aaron weight and this second batch is about lace weight, and it is going to be so much to unravel. It's four ounces, and I've spun it all on one drop spindle, which I think was a bad idea. <laughs> but, you know, I'm learning as I'm going. So that's what I've been working on in terms of my fiberiness, since this podcast is fiber, fiber everywhere. And we will just leave it at that. 
A few final words before we leave for today. I'm very excited to announce that we now have a Craft Life group on Ravelry. So go over there, check it out, join the group. Um, I'm interested to see what kind of discussions we're going to have. Hmm, I'll be checking on a regular basis. Um, also, you may have noticed Craft Life is getting a little bit of a different look. I had some artwork in iTunes and after after I showed my husband, his first reaction was he thought it was pink camouflage. And whew, I know that some people love that pink camouflage, but that is not me. And the thought that somebody else might look at it and say, oh, look, her craft life icon is pink camo. Oh, no. So anyway, I have enlisted him, since he is a brilliant graphic designer, to help me create uh, some new looks, some new logos for Craft Life. So you'll see those on iTunes, you'll see those on Ravelry, um, and you'll also see it in the blog. So tell me what you think. I think they look great. I think they're so much better than the first ones. But that's just me. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can email treacleandink at hotmail.com. You can find my blog at treacleandinketsy.wordpress.com. That's where you can get the podcast. You can also get it on iTunes. If you're on Ravelry or Facebook, you can find me at Treacle and Ink. Or now you can join the new Craft Life Ravelry group. Join me for episode four where we'll be talking about hacking the craft. Hmm, whatever could she mean? Tune into episode four and find out. Thanks so much and have a great week. Thank you.